Okay, there. Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Uh, which, uh, are we on number six now? Yeah, discourse six. Okay, all right, go ahead. Do you remember what, or hold on, what page is that? Of the, of the book, it's page 22 of my PDF. Okay, perfect. Or I'm say it's page 23 of my PDF. It's PDF okay. page 24, yeah. Got it, perfect. Okay, should I start? Okay, um, the Discourse 6. These words are for those who need them in order to comprehend. What need of words has he who can comprehend without the medium of words? Heaven and earth are all words to him who comprehends and is born of the word be and it was. What need of shouting has he who can hear a whisper? Okay, so, so again, one of the recurring themes of the whole text is that you have the actual kernel uh, which is which we can call truth or light, and most people can't appreciate it when it's on its own, mm -hmm. uh, either because <clears throat> they can't see it or because it's too overpowering for them. So an example of it being too overpowering is when when Allah Taala sends the divine light uh, for Musa salam to the mountain, and then Musa salam passes out. It was mm -hmm. too much, right? For most people, however, like the example of a kafir, is that they c it can be presented right in front of them and, and nothing happens. Okay. And so that would be the example of the the, the kafirs among the Quraysh who are opposing the Prophet, peace be upon him, and they're listening to the Quran, and it's amazing, and they're recognizing mm -hmm. it's amazing, but it's kind of like it just it's a nice dessert just goes in one ear and then out the other, mm -hmm. so to speak, right? And so then what has to happen is this, is this dosage of, of, again, we can call it truth or guidance or light. For a person to start to comprehend it, it has to be delivered with instructions. Okay. And so the instructions, for example, would be the Salah. Okay. Or the instructions, for example, would be the recitation of the text of the Quran. Okay. And and so so the point is that you're seeking, as you're getting closer to Allah Ta'ala, to reach this point beyond words. Okay. Which then becomes beyond what words can even can explain. So so okay, so take all of that as one concept. Mm-hmm. The idea being that these these nuggets are 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 delivered with instructions, because otherwise, you know, without guidance, you can't handle it. Mm -hmm. Guidance is the instructions. And so now another point to think about is just to turn this completely secular. Is is that you have the word, and then you have the meaning of the word, mm -hmm. and the meaning of the word is what you're actually trying to grasp at. So if I say sharp pain, mm -hmm. you can understand, you can sort of feel sharp pain. Yeah. So, and if you, you know, if you take your pen and poke it in your finger, you're actually having the experience of sharp pain with no words mm -hmm. involved. Okay. And so he's also speaking something about the nature of, of reality, where reality in itself is hidden in something which is hidden in something which is hidden in something. Okay. And and remember that drawing we did of the heart, mm -hmm. where you have you and then you have shells put around yeah. you. That's how reality also operates. 
-hmm. as you yourself remove those shells, the shells of reality are getting removed too. Okay. So these are actually shells around your heart mm -hmm. that are preventing you from seeing true reality. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then we'll, we'll keep revisiting this point because it's happening throughout the whole text. Okay. I do have like an unrelated question. So the translation here is be and it was, but like you usually see it be and it is, or let's, is uh, it? It's, it's probably be and it is. And let's, uh, let's pull up that eye and see what we find. I have 36. Uh, actually, I have 30. That's where you're seeing. It's going to be Kun Feyakun. So that's mm -hmm. literally, yeah. And it is. Okay. Uh, don't know why he... So this translator, uh, I like this translation quite a bit, but this mm -hmm. translator is actually, like, his whole career is just translating text from different languages. Wow. And and so I don't know why he's doing was. I was just wondering if there had some sort of, like, relation to what mm -hmm. he was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know. And even that explanation, um, mm -hmm. so that is truth, it's an ayah, mm -hmm. but is Allah Ta'ala actually physically saying that? We would say no. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so the word is being expressed at the level of meaning or the word is being expressed beyond our level of hearing. Okay. Something like that. Okay. But the key point of all this, what we're saying is that reality has, is often hidden or expressed hidden through layers. Okay. okay, continue. Um, an Arabic-speaking poet appeared before a king who not only was a Turk, but did not even know Persian. The poet had composed an extremely ornate poem for him in Arabic. When the king mounted his throne with all his courtiers, princes, and ministers in their places, the poet rose and began to recite his poem. In the part of the poem that was to evoke admiration, the king nodded his head. In the part that was to evoke astonishment, he stared wildly. And in the part that was to evoke humility, he paid rapt attention. Okay, so you see what's going on so far, right? Yeah. So, so Turkish king, Arabic mm -hmm. poet, and yet the king is nodding at all the right places. Yeah. The courtiers bewildered said, our king never knew a word of Arabic. How can it be that he nods his head at the proper place unless he can actually understand Arabic and has concealed it from us all these years? If we have said impolite things in Arabic, woe unto us. Now the king had a slave boy who was highly privileged. The courtiers went to him and gave him a horse, a camel, and some money and promised him as much again if he would find out whether or not the king knew Arabic, or if he didn't, how he came to nod his head at the proper place. Was it a miracle or inspiration? One day the slave found an opportune moment while the king was on a hunt and having bagged much game and was in good spirits, he asked, he asked. The king laughed and said, By God, I don't know Arabic. As for my nodding my head and expressing approval, it was obvious what his intent was in that poem. Therefore I nodded and expressed approval. It was obvious that the principal thing was intended. That poem was just a branch of the principle. If there had been no purpose, he wouldn't have composed the poem. Mm -hmm. So now what's an example for us of something like this? This is literally when uh, someone who doesn't know Arabic is yeah. reciting the prayer right. or is reciting or listening to the Quran itself. Yeah. Right. And, and so, so what we're summing up here is that when we're talking about layers of reality, often when we're speaking of the kernel, uh, as opposed to the shell, the kernel is often what we speak of as the spirit or the meaning. And the shell is what we call the form. Okay. And so for most people, 
when they're reciting the Quran without meaning, they're in the form. And we're saying that still has value. Or when they're performing their prayers, they're only mm -hmm. reciting the uh, phonetically. Mm -hmm. And we're saying that still has value. So, for example, if someone says, all right, you know, recite this dua for, for knowledge. Mm -hmm. And all you know it is what its purpose is mm -hmm. and how to recite it phonetically. Then, inshallah, the reward will still happen. The result will still happen. Mm -hmm. Would it be better if you know the meaning as well? Yeah. And better than knowing the form and the meaning is what is the true reality of what it's trying to accomplish. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so, so the example of that is, is that, um, so if I am, um, okay, here, uh, one example is Surat al-Nasr. Okay. Mm -hmm. Easy example. Idaja al nasrullahi wal fat. Okay. And so if I recite that phonetically, mm -hmm. you know, I still get rewarded for every letter. Yeah. Right. Now, if I know the meaning, then it's saying, So when it comes to you, the help of Allah and the conquest, mm -hmm. right? And so then praise Allah uh, uh, or do sabah of Allah and then hamd of Allah and istighfar. Uh, and so, so he's the one who is tawab. He accepts repentance. Mm -hmm. So that's the meaning. Yeah. And then if I get deeper, I know that this is what is taking place when the conquest of Mecca is happening. And the conquest of Mecca is this huge event that could have turned into pillaging. Mm -hmm. Right? Because you have all these Muslims who've been fighting with the Quraysh all this mm -hmm. time. You have Muslims from Mecca who haven't been home in 10 years. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so to prevent the pillaging, just keep praising Allah and seeking forgiveness, seeking forgiveness, seeking forgiveness. Yeah. But if we go even deeper, what does Abdullah ibn Omar say this surah is actually saying? It's saying to the Prophet, you're going to die soon. Because the whole time you've been calling people to Allah, calling people to Allah, calling people to Allah. And then when you reach the point where now they're coming mm -hmm. in, in hordes, it means your mission's done. So that surah, in a deeper meaning, is actually his obituary. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And so we're getting deeper and deeper into. So, like, there's nothing literal in the text that says, okay, you're going to die soon. Mm -hmm. Rather, it's saying, okay, when this is happening, you should be doing this. But what's understood is when this is happening, it means your mission is done. So you should especially now just focus on praise of Allah and seeking forgiveness of Allah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so the point is to get deeper and deeper into mm -hmm. true reality. Yeah. Okay. And uh, continue. If one looks at the purpose, no duality remains. Duality lies in the branches. The root of the root principle is one. So it is with spiritual ma so it is with spiritual masters. If outwardly they seem to differ one from another, and there appears to be divergence in their conditions, acts, and words with regards to purpose, they are one thing, and that. 
with regard to purpose, they are one thing, and that is the search for God. It is like a breeze blowing through the house. It lifts a corner of the carpet and ruffles the mats, causes the dust to fly into the air, ripples the water in the pool, and causes the branches and leaves of the trees to dance. All these things appear to be quite different, yet from the point of view of intent, principle, and reality, they are all one thing, since their movement is all from one breeze. Okay. So, so to put this into simple language, what are we saying? You know, like, so like Descartes has his mind-body duality, mm. right? And, and so the question is, okay, which one's the real one? You know, mm. you know, your imagination or like the physical realm. And so, so that's one way to think about all this. Another mm -hmm. way to think about all this is just that when we're talking about the kernel and the, and the meaning. Mm -hmm. and, and so the way to make it one is to focus on what is the actual purpose. Okay. So what is the purpose of all of creation? The purpose of all of creation is to bring you closer to Allah. Okay. So what is the essential purpose of prayer? To bring you closer to Allah. What is the essential purpose of a tree? It's for you to see at it, see it, appreciate it, and for it to remind you of its creator. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. So literally, the essential purpose of all is is and here it says it's even uh, in his language is even better rather than say to get closer to Allah it's the search for Allah so that's literally the design of everything in all creation so mm -hmm. it is the search for God and and so that when we can focus on that then that to connect this with previous discourses is, should also be the core yearning that we have Mm -hmm. the, the fundamental reason we're in this world is one way is because we're going to be tested on the day of judgment and if you want to get deeper it is to get closer to Allah we've been put in this world okay. to get closer to Allah yeah. mm -hmm. kind of like you know <clears throat> you have some people who like a, 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 a helicopter comes and drops them in, some, in the middle of nowhere in the jungle mm -hmm. and they have to find their way to the base mm -hmm. that's basically all of us Okay. We've been put in this dunya, mm -hmm. and the base is getting closer to Allah Taala, mm -hmm. right? So that's uh, essentially the, the the function of everything. Once you can figure that out, and once you can make that your goal, then what does it say? Mm -hmm. It is like a breeze blowing through the house. It lifts a corner of the carpet and ruffles the mats, causes the dust to fly into the air, ripples the air. Uh, and so basically, we're saying everything that is happening in the world. Everything you notice that's happening, mm -hmm. every sound, every smell, every touch, every sight, mm -hmm. the actual purpose of that is literally to remind you of Allah. Okay. They all seem to be different, but literally they all have one purpose. So, all right. Uh, we're, what are we, 320? Okay, let's uh, go a little bit further. Okay. Someone said... We are imperfect. The very fact that someone thinks this and reproaches himself saying, alas, what am I about? Why do I act like this? Is a proof of God's love and favor. Love persists as long as reproach persists because one rebukes those one loves, not strangers. Okay, now, uh, let's stop there for a second. Mm -hmm. so, so when we're saying we're imperfect, what does that mean? It means we're not perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Which means we have a shortcoming. Mm-hmm. And, and so one of the essences of the experience of existence mm -hmm. is that there's always something missing. Mm -hmm. And that experience of something missing is your void within yourself 
to provide you for your fuel to get closer to Allah. Okay. So it's sort of similar to what we've talked about before, like the pain mm-hmm. of loneliness, for example, mm-hmm. is actually a desire to get closer to Allah. Okay. And and so when you're being hit with pain, mm-hmm. what you want is to get out of pain. And and the true relief from pain is proximity to Allah Ta'ala. Mm-hmm. And so it's like he's sort of saying the same thing in, in different language here. And so then what we're saying is that your being incomplete in this world mm-hmm. is a gift from Allah to make you to desire to be complete. Okay. So, and so here's the language of reproach. He also makes this point. Okay, we reproach strangers. Uh, mm-hmm. We reproach loved ones, not families. And so think about this. The level of upset you get over your family members is always mm-hmm. going to be higher than what it is you know, to strangers. You're not going to mm-hmm. care about strangers, right? Yeah. Gives with family members, you're like, why do you got to be like this, yeah. right? And so that is also a sign of the same thing, because it's essentially what don't, we don't realize we're saying is, okay, you're behaving like out of a scale of one to ten, you're behaving mm-hmm. at level eight, mm-hmm. and you should be behaving at level ten. You have the capability of behaving level ten, <clears throat> and that's the same point. It's okay. a desire for you for it's a desire in you for your loved one to be better. Mm-hmm. And he's saying that's why we get upset at our loved ones. Okay. So, all right, continue. Now there are different. Now there are different kinds of reproof. To suffer pain while aware of it is a proof of God's love and favor. On the other hand, when a type of reproof is inflicted and the reproved does not experience pain, there is no proof of love, as when as when one beats a carpet to get the dust out, and such is not called rebuke by the intelligent. If, on the other hand, one rebukes one's child or beloved, a proof of love does arise in such a case. Therefore, so long as you experience pain and regret within yourself, it is proof of God's love and favor. Okay. Again, once again, what is the point here? The point is regret or remorse Mm -hmm. is an actual desire to be better. Okay. So the favor from Allah is the desire for you to be better. Mm -hmm. And then how does he cause that desire? He makes you feel regret. Mm -hmm. And so one of the essences of the whole journey of Islam, one of the essences of the path of getting closer to Allah is the desire for improvement. Just like, you know, if you're a person of Iman Mm -hmm. and if you are committing a sin, it just doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like your conscience is getting poked. Yeah. And, and so that is the favor. The favor is not the pain. Mm-hmm. The favor is the desire to, to have more, to be better. Okay. And then the way that that desire is, 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 is put in you is by causing you pain. Okay. okay, this next paragraph is really, really profound, even though it's really simple. Okay, go for it. When you see a fault in your brother, the fault really lies in yourself, but you see it reflected in him. Likewise, the world is a mirror in which you see your own image. The believer is a mirror to the believer. Rid yourself of your own fault, because what distresses you in another is really yourself. Okay. So, so this comes from a hadith that believers are mirrors of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, think of people who are somewhat close to you. Mm-hmm. And think of faults that you see in them. Don't look for faults, but think mm-hmm. of you see in them. That's actually you. You're like literally, and and, and then you're like, oh, well, that, okay. that 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 yeah. Yeah. And and 
And so, so the point is that one way to figure out what I need to improve upon mm-hmm. is to think of the faults that I see in other people. Those are actually faults in me, mm-hmm. which then means what? Uh, if I purify them inside myself, then I won't see them in other people. Okay. This is why, like, when you're watching politicians, you know, mm-hmm. or people who are, like, on the attack, like bigots and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, look at whatever they're pointing the finger at against you. Mm-hmm. It's almost every single time they're actually revealing what's going on inside of them. You know, they want to secretly take over. That's mm-hmm. literally what they're, what they're wanting. You know, they're trying to impose something upon us. No, that's actually what they're actually trying to do. Mm-hmm. You know? So in psychology, we call this projection. Okay. So this is a very, very common uh, thing. And then you can expand upon this by looking at how you look at your community. All the faults you see in your community are actually faults in yourself. Okay. And the easiest way to understand that is the community has everything. Mm-hmm. As soon as your community is, you know, let's say 10, above 10, above 100 people, then it's going to have every single type of person, mm-hmm. which means what you notice as a fault mm-hmm. is actually yourself. Okay. So. It's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think about it. All right, let's continue. Okay. Um, you are not offended by any bad qualities you have in yourself, such as injustice, rancor, greed, envy, insensitivity, or pride. Yet when you see them in another, you shy away, offended. No one is revolted by a scab or abyss of his own. Abscess. Anyone will abscess, sorry. Yeah. Of his own. Anyone will put his own sore finger into the stew, lick that finger and not feel squeamish in the least. If, however, there is a minor abscess or cut on someone else's hand, you would never be able to stomach the stew that hand had been in. Bad moral qualities are just like those scabs and abscesses. No one is offended by his own, yet everyone suffers distress and is horrified at seeing only a bit in another. Just as you shy away from another, you must excuse him for shying away when offended by you. Your distress is his excuse because your distress comes from seeing something he also sees. The believer is a mirror to the believer. The prophet did not say that the infidel is a mirror to the infidel, not because the infidel does not have the quality to be a mirror, but because he's unaware of the mirror of his own soul. Okay, so more more expanding on the same point. Mm-hmm. And the idea being, it's one thing to see a fault in someone else mm-hmm. um, that we won't see in ourselves, but we'll also be disgusted by the faults of other people. Mm-hmm. How can they be like this? And why do they do that and such? Um, uh, but we could be doing the same thing and we don't pay attention. Mm-hmm. You know? And so an example would be like someone who, suppose they tell you they don't brush their teeth. Mm-hmm. Okay. And let's say you've gone for two days without brushing your teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you find out someone else, you're like, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, so same point. Okay. Uh, let's continue. A king was sitting by a brook, dejected. The princes were terrified of him while he was in such a state, and no matter what they did, they couldn't cheer him up. The king had a jester who was extremely privileged. The princes undertook to reward him if he could make the king laugh. The jester went to the king, but try as he might, the king would not even look up at him so that he could make a face and cause the king to laugh. All the king did was stare at the brook with his head down. What does the king see in the water? asked the jester. I see a cuckold, said the king. Sir... Sire, the jester replied, your servant is not blind either. So it is when you see in another something that distresses you 
um, that person is not blind. He sees the same thing you do. Okay. So do you know what the story is here? No. Okay. So this king is super depressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And okay. So kings will often keep a jester mm-hmm. and the jester has a couple uh, purposes. One is just to, you know, entertain the king, but the mm-hmm. jester is also sort of like the onion mm-hmm. where the jester is also giving commentary. Mm-hmm. And for whatever, whatever reason, kings do this, I don't know. But I guess it's the same reason we all like the onion. And so the king's super depressed and just staring at himself in the water. Mm-hmm. And and what does the king say, I see? A cuckold. What, do you know what that is? Not exactly. It's basically the victim, like he's basically saying his wife's having an affair. Oh, okay. And so what is the jester saying? Oh, your servant. So he, can, he knows too, or everyone can tell. So the the gesture is basically saying you do the same thing. Oh, why are you being depressed about this? Oh. Yeah. Okay. So so that's how far it goes. That that someone might do, you know, that uh, someone might do something, uh, some horrible behavior like that, mm-hmm. and and then you know the person is getting super depressed about it, not acknowledging the fact that they oh. actually were doing the same thing. And what's weird is how many cases I've had that are exactly like this, you know, when, uh, you know, uh, someone comes to the office or something Mm -hmm. and this is literally what's happening, you know, and they literally don't see anything, you know, wrong with Mm -hmm. what they've done. But when the spouse has done it, it's like earth shattering. But this is also a thing in human nature. Crazy. Okay, continue. Okay. With God, there is no room for two egos. You say I, and he says I. In order for this duality to disappear, either you must die for him or he for you. It is not possible, however, for him to die, either phenomenally or conceptually, because he is the ever-living who dieth not. He is so gracious, however, that if it were possible, he would die for you in order that the duality might disappear. Since it is not possible for him to die, you must die, that he may be manifested to you, thus eliminate, eliminating the duality. Okay, so that's what the, the, um, the next few paragraphs are going to be about. But to okay. put it in simple language, uh, and I think we've talked about this before, because this is a recurring theme. So mm-hmm. imagine each of us has an internal compass mm-hmm. and pointing towards north. Mm-hmm. And your north is e's either going to be Allah Ta'ala mm-hmm. or it's going to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's either one or the other. Mm-hmm. And so it's never actually going to be both. Okay. And for most people, meaning the overwhelming majority of most mm-hmm. people, the compass is pointing towards themselves. Okay. Everything's all about me, 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 me. Mm-hmm. And so the goal is to shift your compass to point towards Alatella. Okay. Right. And, and so part of the challenge here is that you can be someone who makes all your prayers mm-hmm. and yet your compass is pointing towards you. Mm-hmm. And, and so the goal, how do you address that? The goal is to keep increasing in your submission to Allah Ta'ala. So that's even like okay. the first part of our meaning, you know, mm-hmm. which is all about personal improvement. Yeah. It's essentially to make your compass more and more pointed okay. towards Allah Ta'ala. Right. Mm-hmm. And there, so the line here, a lot of people take offense from, he's so gracious, however, that if it were possible for him to die for you, in order duality might disappear, he would, but okay, so that we don't really have to mm-hmm. get into. But the basic point being that uh, this, even in terms of reformists, mm-hmm. 
like people who are seeking to reform Islam and such, mm -hmm. what a lot of them don't realize is what they're trying to do is make Islam fit into your lifestyle. Okay. Uh, as though they're trying to unintentionally make Allah submit to us. The goal of Islamic reform is to figure out how within Islam to make someone more in submission to Allah. Okay. Not to figure out how is it to make it easier for me to be Muslim. Mm. Okay. You know, because that's a, that's a, a bottomless pit that mm. to make it easy for me to be Muslim. Ultimately, what does it mean? It means I have no responsibility. You know, mm -hmm. I just live life. But the actual purpose of reform is to figure out how to facilitate my submission mm. more and more. Okay. okay. And so the next paragraph is sort of giving the same, the same uh, point. It's a little bit more awkward of an example, but go ahead. You can tie two birds together, but although they may be of the same species and their two wings have become four, they will not be able to fly because duality still pertains. If, however, you tie a dead bird to a live one, it will be able to fly since there is no duality. Okay. And so what we're saying here is that if you try to live a life that is both in submission to Allah 100% and mm -hmm. submission to yourself 100%, it's not going to work. You, at best... You're going to cause yourself some sort of schizophrenia, mm -hmm. uh, where you're completely in submission to yourself and submission to Allah. Mm -hmm. So one is always going to win, okay. and the one you want to win is submission to Allah. Okay. And next paragraph is the same point. The sun is so gracious that it would die for a bat if it were possible. My dear bat, the sun would say, "My grace touches everything. I would like to do something of." beneficence for you too since it is possible for you to die die that you may enjoy the light of my splendor and shedding your batness become the phoenix of mount cough of proximity to me okay so so essentially what's going on here so why is he saying the sun is so gracious because the sun just gives and gives and gives mm -hmm. and never asks right it's just literally only giving mm -hmm. and so so then speaking to the bat why, 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 what is the benefit of using a bat as an example? Why not a rat or a dog? Because or they a... can't be out in the sun. Exactly, right? And so, so the sun wants the bat to also benefit from the sun. Mm -hmm. The only way it can do that is for it to die. Okay. And, and so, I mean, is, is it actually true bats can go out? I mean, vampires can't. But, I think they just don't. I, I don't know if anything bad happens to them if they do. Yeah. But... Yeah. they don't like burn to death or anything okay so so yeah so so the basic point is that when the giver is is when its nature is to give and give and give mm -hmm. then uh to receive uh essentially we're saying you can reach a point where you just give up your existence and all you're doing is receiving mm -hmm. and that is also what it means to submit to allah ta'ala okay if i'm pointing the compass towards myself I'm also blocking myself from receiving from Allah. Easy example of this, okay, suppose you have someone who doesn't make any of their prayers. Mm -hmm. Which means what else is also taking place? They're probably also not making any dua. Mm -hmm. Which means they're also probably not making any dua for their children if they have children. Mm -hmm. They're not making dua for themselves. Mm -hmm. They're not making dua for the people around them. Which means they're cutting themselves off from receiving the rahmah of Allah. If you're making dua, then you're asking for more and more and more and more. Which means you're making yourself a receptacle to receive the rahmah of Allah. And so increased submission 
is synonymous with increased receiving of the rahmah of Allah. Those two are literally the same thing. All right, let's continue. Mm -hmm. Same point, different example. Um, is this like the Mount Qaf? Like I'm just reading the and or the footnote. Is that like a, I've never heard of that before? Is that like? So this I used to know, but I've now completely forgotten. Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> so I will have to look up. Actually. Don't worry about it. Okay. One of God's servants was capable of annihilating himself for the sake of a beloved. He asked God to give him such a beloved, but this was not acceptable to him. A voice came saying, I do not desire that you should see such a one. The servant of God, however, insisted of his, would not cease his entreaty saying, O Lord, have you placed a desire for such a one within me and it will not go away? Finally, a voice came saying, if you want this to come about, then sacrifice yourself and become not. Tarry not in departing from the world. O Lord, he said, I am content. And thus he did, sacrificing his life for the sake of that beloved so that his desire was fulfilled. Yeah. If a servant of God can possess the grace to sacrifice his life, one day of which is worth more than the life of the whole world from beginning to end, could the author of grace be less gracious? That would be ludicrous. Since, however, his annihilation is not possible, you must be annihilated. Okay, so same basic point. And so what are we saying here? So <clears throat> when we're saying, you know, one of God's servants was capable of annihilating himself for the sake mm -hmm. of a beloved, we're saying that you have a person who's reached a point of, de of devotion and discipline mm -hmm. where they can give their all to whatever their goal is. Mm -hmm. And usually it's a beloved, like a person. Mm -hmm. And so they have such a level of discipline and devotion that they will give their all to this person. Mm -hmm. And and then so yes, God, you know, for such a beloved. Mm -hmm. But uh, why is Allah Ta'ala not going to give him that? Because then that person would focus all on this person and mm -hmm. zero on Allah Ta'ala. Mm -hmm. So it's like a contradiction. It's basically like saying, you know, I was a bit loud. It's basically like someone praying for an object to worship. Mm -hmm. You know, Allah, give me something I can worship. Mm -hmm. That's sort of what's being asked here. Okay. The answer for that is going to be no. Mm -hmm. And so, <clears throat> and so the person keeps asking. And so what the person thinks that they're asking for is, you know, give me a life partner. Mm -hmm. You know, give me a life partner, give me a life partner, give me a life partner. Mm -hmm. And the answer has been no, 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 because this person's nature, we might even call it an addictive personality. Mm -hmm. This person's nature is that they're going to give their all mm -hmm. to that person. Okay. Yeah. And so then the person's dua changes. Mm -hmm. Okay. You've put a desire in me and mm -hmm. it's not going away. I have this addictive desire in me. Mm -hmm. So then the answer for that comes to, all right, then you sacrifice yourself essentially to Allah. Mm -hmm. And if, if you want this desire to go away, and then this person does that and says, all right, I've reached this point of, of happiness. Okay. And, and so, so the point is that there's some du'as, like we said, the essence of basically every du'a is you're seeking mm -hmm. to get closer to Allah. Yeah. But the text of a du'a might be you're seeking mm -hmm. something else. Okay. You know, like, get me to work on time, mm -hmm. give me to work on time, right? When in reality, my prayer is usually something as simple as, yeah, Allah, give me your rahmah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> but sometimes we might be asking for something that's harmful. Okay. 
an easy example that would be all right you know y'all uh, give me alcohol or something okay mm -hmm. I mean, none of us are ever gonna make that prayer yeah. call, but i'm sure some people have mm -hmm. but a person might be praying, you know, give me a, a significant other. Mm -hmm. What they may not be realizing is even though they're asking for a significant other, which is sunnah, mm -hmm. they might actually be asking for, uh, give me someone that I can put my whole to mm -hmm. towards. Okay. And, and so that has to be fixed. Mm -hmm. And so it's more like, yeah, well, I'm giving my whole to you. Mm -hmm. Please give me companionship in the process. Okay. That's different. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so so the point is that if that's what you're doing, then Allah will give you more and more and more. Okay. Uh, let's see how much space do we have. Uh, let's uh, okay, let's stop right here. And in fact, okay. no, let's uh, let's finish the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just because I like this word. <laughs> A dullard came and sat himself above a saint. I gotta start using this word dullard. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. Yeah. The saint said, What difference does it make whether one is above or below a lamp? If the lamp is inclined to be above, it does not do so for its own sake. Its only purpose is to benefit others so that they may enjoy its light. Otherwise, wherever the lamp may be, high or low, it is still a lamp. It is a central eternal sun. Okay, so this is easy to understand when we think of you know, uh, manners, mm -hmm. like suppose you're in a room full of Daisy elders mm -hmm. and then you sit in a chair higher than them, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to see that as disrespect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so that's what the dullard is. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, but, uh, the saint is one who doesn't care. Mm -hmm. okay. The saint, think back all the way to the very first discourse. Yeah. We spoke of the, the saint is someone who is the type of scholar who's dedicated their whole selves to serving mm -hmm. to Allah. Yeah. And what then Allah Ta'ala will do mm -hmm. is make them a vessel through which to give benefit to others. Mm -hmm. And so that's this person here. Mm -hmm. And so that this person doesn't really care about things like, you know, what's in the uh, uh, visible realm, like who mm -hmm. sits above, who sits below. Those are all just yeah. matters of manners and pleasantries mm -hmm. and all that. And the point is that as long as there's proximity, then benefit is going to happen. Okay. It doesn't care about, you know, yeah. these, these social rules. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, continue. If the saints seek status and exalted position in this world, they do so because people are unable to perceive their exaltedness. They want to ensnare worldly people with a trap of this world so that they may find their way to that other exaltedness and fall into the snare of the next world. Similarly, um, the prophet conquered Mecca and the surrounding countries, not because he needed them, but in order to bestow life and light on all. This hand is accustomed to give. It is not accustomed to take. The saints deceive men in order to give to them, not in order to take anything from them. Okay. So, so this is a modification of what we had again at the beginning. At the beginning, mm -hmm. we said, you know, the, the, the good, the bad scholar is the one who goes to the prince mm -hmm. and the good prince is the one who goes to the scholar. And then Rumi also clarified that saying, it depends upon who's the giver and who's the receiver. Mm -hmm. If the scholar is going to the prince to receive, mm -hmm. then that scholar has no integrity. Mm -hmm. yeah. If the scholar is going to the prince to advise, which means they're going to be speaking the truth, which means mm -hmm. they could be endangering themselves, mm -hmm. but it's more important for them to advise, and the scholar is the giver. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so here's what we have. Same thing. 
that you might have a saint that is seeking status. Mm-hmm. Like in theory, if your whole goal is to be a well of the law, you don't care about those things. But some people may decide this is actually what has to happen so okay. that people will then also want to get closer to Allah. Mm-hmm. And so there is a place for that too. Mm-hmm. This becomes especially important in our cancer, cancer culture that's going on today. Is mm-hmm. that if we see something, somebody do something peculiar, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, let's destroy them, right? Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times we may not know what their actual motive or intention yeah. uh, is. Yeah. And so, so this is also, he's connecting this with the purpose of the conquest of societies. Mm-hmm. So when Muslims are being sent, you know, from the time of Prophet and then peace be upon him to Abu Bakr, to Omar especially, mm-hmm. um, they're also not telling people that they have to convert. They're not forcing mm-hmm. conversion. But they're setting up the environment to make that as easy as possible okay. for people to feel desire to turn to Allah. Mm-hmm. And that's literally what they're doing. And so <clears throat> we said that the design of everything in the world is mm-hmm. to call you to Allah. So this whole discourse is essentially about what are different ways in the mm-hmm. world to make things happen. One is through pain. One is through seeing the faults in other people. Uh, one is getting your focus uh, straight. And here mm-hmm. is for other people to try to make it so that your environment is easier, you okay. know, to turn to Allah. Okay, continue. When someone traps little birds by means of trickery in order to eat them or sell them, that is called deception. When, however, a king lays a trap to catch a rough, worthless falcon that does not know its own essence and then trains it to his arm so that it becomes noble, tutored, and polished, that is not called deception. Although outwardly it appears to be fraudulent, it is considered the essence of straightforwardness and munificence. It is like reviving the dead, turning base stone into ruby, turning inanimate sperm into a living human being, and more. If the falcon knew why he was being captured he would not need gain as an enticement but would search for the snare with all his heart and soul and fly to the arm of the king Mm -hmm. so same thing right Mm -hmm. that it's one thing if you're catching a bird if you're tricking a bird to eat it it's another thing if you're if you're catching a bird to train it Mm -hmm. and so he's saying sometimes those those tricks are also necessary you know and of course that's also very uh it's murky waters Mm -hmm. Because someone can convince themselves that that's what they're yeah. doing when actually they're just doing the work of shaitan. Mm-hmm. So the idea here is, this is why he keeps emphasizing, this is a saint speaking. Mm-hmm. This is someone who's reached that mm-hmm. level and is using whatever techniques possible to, to get people to get closer to Allah. An example of that is toward the end of the seerah, mm-hmm. where the Prophet Pison has conquered Makkah, and then he's going to the leaders of Makkah, all right, what will it take for you to become Muslim? You know, and so he offers them literally wealth. So one person mm-hmm. goes into the treasury of of the Muslims and says, all right, I'm taking all this. And the prophet goes, okay, do you have enough? He goes, no, I want more. And then he takes more. And while this is happening, the people of Medina are hearing about this. They're like, you know, we're with you and we're broke and mm-hmm. you're giving all our wealth to them. And the prophet is saying, I need to do this, you know, to soften their hearts. But you have me, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so what looks like bribery because with other uh, other leaders of Mecca, he's giving them these big chunks of land. And it looks like bribery, but what the Prophet is actually doing is is giving them, like removing all the obstacles from their heart okay. to, to, to yeah. bring them closer to Allah. Okay, a little bit more. 
People only look at the literal meaning of the saint's words and say, we've heard all this talk many times before. We've had enough of such word words. Our hearts are uncircumcised, but a God hath cursed them with their infidelity. The That's infidel a really, really strange translation. It's more like <laughs> our, our hearts are engulfed. Okay. The infidels say, our hearts are full of such talk. God answers them thus, woe betide them that they be full of these words. They are full of the temptations of the devil and vain imaginings. They are full of hypocrisy and doubt. Nay, they are full of damnation. God hath cursed them with their infidelity. Would okay. that, yeah. So, so what are we saying here? There's some people are saying, okay, we've already heard this and mm -hmm. we've heard that. We've heard everything. Now, where is the infidelity? They're not actually practicing anything that they're okay. learning. And because they're not practicing anything now, it just seems like words upon words upon words upon words, okay. right? And so part of the essence of a teaching word is that it should translate into action. Okay, continue. Would that they were free of those ravings, for then they would be capable of receiving these words. But they are not even capable of that. God has plugged up their ears and eyes and hearts so that they see the wrong color. They perceive Joseph as a wolf. Their ears hear the wrong sound. They hear wisdom as nonsense and raving. And their hearts, having become repositories for temptation and vain imaginings, perceive falsely. Having been knotted up with comp compounded imaginings, their hearts have frozen solid like ice and water. God hath sealed up their hearts and their hearing, a dimness covereth their sight. How then can they be full? In their whole lives, neither they nor those on whom they pride themselves have ever sensed or perceived. They are not blessed by the jug that God gives to some, to some full in order that they may drink to their fill. He gives it to some empty, and then why should they render thanks? The person who receives a full jug renders thanks. Okay. So, so same basic point here. We're talking about the people who, who are sort of, uh, they're closed off. Mm -hmm. They think they're coming for learning, but they're basically coming just to complain. And, and the way to think about this is that we often have two voices in us. Mm -hmm. One voice is, is the voice of yearning. Mm -hmm. The other voice is the voice of resistance. Yeah. And the voice of resistance is sort of like a survival technique. Mm -hmm. You know, like, all right, you have a stranger who walks up to you and then your voice of resistance says, okay, mm -hmm. I'm not allowed to talk to strangers, right? You know, and, and so it's there to protect you. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is that they resist everything. Okay. So the essence of a coffer is just resistance. Okay. And so if you're giving them, you could be giving them the, the most delicious meal and then they resist it. And so you're giving them the most pure, satisfying guidance and they're just going to resist it. And there are those people who are unfortunately like that. And so, so when they're saying our hearts are full, it's kind of like they're saying, okay, we have no more yearning. Okay. And if you have no yearning, then you've literally missed the whole point of your existence. Mm -hmm. The whole point of your existence is yearning for Allah. Mm -hmm. so, this is why, this is I mean, one way to understand when the prophet, the companions are asking the prophet, you know, peace be upon him, what do you fear for us? You fear that we're going to be poor? He says, no, I fear mm -hmm. you're going to be rich. Mm. Because then when you're rich, your yearning is going to decrease. Okay. And, and so this is the challenge a lot of suburban people face. Is they're mm -hmm. like, yeah, I got nothing to pray for. You know, what am I going to pray for? Yeah. And what actually is happening is that through wealth, your heart is thinking that it's full. Okay. 
And those people are often the most empty and they don't realize it. Okay, last uh, paragraphs. When God made Adam of clay and water, he needed the clay of Adam for 40 days. He completed Adam's shell and left it for a period of time on, on the earth. Iblis came down and went into Adam's shell. Going through and inspecting every vein, he saw that it was full of blood and humors. Adam said, Ugh, oh, it is a wonder if this be not that very Iblis who at the foot of God's throne I saw would appear. If that Iblis exists, this must be he. Peace be with him. Okay, so so what is Iblis saying? You know, so Iblis is saying, uh, you know, like, look at how nasty you are. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what is Adam salam saying? You know, Adam is saying, this must be the Iblis. Mm -hmm. But what, what is the issue here that one of Iblis's downfalls is that he's jealous of Adam, peace be upon him. Mm -hmm. And then to make himself feel good, he's looking at Adam, and Adam's just made out of clay and water. Mm -hmm. But what is Iblis thinking? I'm made from fire. Right? And so, so the, these last points, one, we have the person who, who feels no yearning. Mm -hmm. And thus, they are in big trouble spiritually. And then the example of Iblis is his yearning mm -hmm. has become jealousy which is what it's a yearning for the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. It's like a yearning for attention, for power and all that. And, and so Iblis has dedicated his whole existence because of his jealousy for Adam, peace be upon him, to take down all of humanity. That's how destructive jealousy is. Okay. Yeah. And why is he ending with peace be with you? It could be just he's ending with peace be with you, or it could be that he's saying, you know, you know good luck. That person's never going to have peace in their heart. Okay, good, inshallah. We'll stop right here. Next time we'll good. get into discourse number seven, inshallah. Sounds good. Okay, any questions or thoughts? No questions so far. Okay, All right, we'll continue uh, later on, inshallah. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika, nashadu illa ilaha illa anta, nastafirika, manatubi ilaik. Okay, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.